This is the Monday, July 26th edition of the Daily Wager podcast. We got you covered with a variety of action and looking ahead even to the NBA draft. But as always, every weekday, in and out in less than 10 minutes. Welcome to the Daily Wager podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. I'm Doug Kazarian alongside Tyler Fulgham this morning. Tyler, hope you had a good weekend. And uh, just as we expected, USA did not cover in hoops, but they get the uh, France gets the win, though. That uh, I didn't see coming uh, before the weekend on Daily Wager. I was touting my stance that I'm full fade on Team USA against the spread um, throughout the Olympic Games until they got to something tangible like a gold medal game. Um, so I did put the points in my pocket with France. I did not expect uh, France to win outright, but a, a win against the number, uh, as it has been pretty much all exhibition uh, season for this uh, Team USA squad. Yeah, it was right there down the stretch, make or miss game that we talk about so much. Uh, so U.S. will bounce back against Iran. They're about a 38-point favorite or something along those lines. So kind of hard to fade or even lay it. Just a bizarre <laughs> situation. But let's hit the diamond real quick. Um, I know it's a, a light sports card, but we have some other stuff. I got some Olympic stuff, and we'll look ahead to the NBA draft. But what on the diamond are you seeing here? Oh, one of my favorite plays all season long has been uh, taking the Chicago White Sox run line against left-handed pitching. Uh, today, the White Sox uh, get a plus-120 price on the run line against the Kansas city Royals. So not a great opponent, obviously. And they'll have their lefty Mike minor on the bump against Dallas Keuchel. So um, a pitching advantage for the uh, Chicago white Sox there with Keuchel versus minor. And as we pointed out all season, Chicago rakes against left-handed pitching fourth in the bigs and average on base percentage and OPS against lefties. And their lineup should get a massive boost on uh, Monday evening at uh, Kauffman stadium, because Tony La Russa has said Eloy Jimenez, their big uh, nice. outfielder, will be back, and he plans to put Jimenez in the lineup. So there's another big right-handed power bat that should be back in the lineup for this White Sox team that has had to deal with a lot of injuries but has held uh, pretty firm that uh, grasp on first place in the AL Central. All right, yeah, no, that's big. Um, there you are. Uh, it's funny. Who would you pick if you had to pick one team to win the World Series? Who would you pick? <laughs> the White Sox, they, they look great. Um, they have pitching, top-notch pitching, and they have – uh, a bunch of bats that will come back. Jimenez, Robert, hopefully, uh, to help this team down the stretch. Say what you want about Tony La Russa, but the guy knows how to win World Series. He may not be the most fun manager to play for, um, but there's a lot of talent on that White Sox team, and I, I think they're definitely worth a sprinkle. It's remarkable. It's just pretty wide open. That's what I was going to say. And the Red Sox are in action tonight hosting the Blue Jays. There's been some movement on this line to 140. It was a dollar ten overnight. Pavetta, I'd probably back him here, but this this game should be really interesting. I like both teams. Um, anything else on the diamond for you? I, I, I look to the uh, first five under with the Red Sox. Sorry, the Rockies and Angels. I, I love what Marquez has been doing away from home. Obviously, Coors Field, much different situation. And Otani against that Rocks lineup. I'll probably go first five under there. Yeah, I'll tell you on that play because Marquez is a, a very good pitcher who um, probably doesn't get as much recognition as he deserves. And then you look at uh, going up against that Angels lineup outside of Otani and maybe Jared Walsh. There are not very many um, – uh, worries if you're a starting pitcher. So I think Marquez can uh, bow down uh, that Angels team. And he, by the way, doesn't have tremendous home road splits. He's about a 3.1 ERA at home, a 3.5 ERA on the road. So he's a very good real-life pitcher. We know how good Otani is. I think he can take advantage of a Colorado team that strikes out at nearly a 26% clip against right-handed pitching. 
And Otani has by far the best K rate of any starter on this Monday slate. So I'm with you, uh, tailing your first five under with those two starters. And I would even put some money on Otani to go over his uh, K prop, which is six and a half. He pitches deeper into games at home because his home road splits are drastic, much better at home. So as long as he gets six innings, I think uh, he should see seven Ks against the Rockies team that struggles against right-handed pitching. For sure. For sure. All right, let's hit the Olympics real quick. I have a couple of women's soccer plays. First, I want to start with Sweden minus two against New Zealand. We all know Sweden beat the U.S. in the opener. New Zealand's really poor. Um, I'm just going to put it at that. Sweden, they don't need the match, but they're definitely going to try like their best and all that because um, that's just what the, how they're going to roll. So I'll lay the two. I don't see how New Zealand keeps this within one. I think it could be a one-sided game. So I'll lay Sweden minus two. And there's a team I've been very interested in firing on their games, and I just haven't been on air to be able to discuss it, but it's Zambia. Uh, it's been a remarkable watch. They go all in on offense, have incredible speed. Their captain has back-to-back hat tricks in the first two games, but they also give up a million goals. They're ranked 104th in the world, if I'm not mistaken. Brazil needs the win, laying four. I'm on the over. Oh, both Zambia games have gone way over, um, and we're talking 10-3 in the opener. High-scoring game with China it was 4-4. The over-under was 4.5. So I'm going to go over six and a half, and I'm even going to lay the four with Brazil. As much as I like Zambia and I took a money line and draw against China, I, I Brazil is just way too dominant. And the Brazilian goalie is pretty solid, but I still think we see over six and a half here, which is a crazy number. But with this matchup and this situation, I think over six and a half is the play. And Brazil team total is probably my favorite. Five and a half, I would say. Uh, I know it's crazy, but look, this team's given up a lot. They gave up four to China, <laughs> ten to uh uh, I believe the Netherlands is the opener. So I'll, I'll go over five and a half or five for like total. So that's my Olympics uh, moment at water polo. A eh, couple plays I lean, but nothing, nothing strong. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, NBA draft. You got anything here? Yeah, I did want to kind of talk about that just a little bit. Um, there, there's a couple of players who I think um, have a soft market, so to speak on their draft props. Uh, one is Davion Mitchell, who obviously, uh, you know, wowed everyone with his run through the NCAA tournament this junior season at Baylor. But his uh, draft prop was eight and a half last I checked. And I think that's a little bit too low for a guy who has his draft prospects. Yeah, now profile. nine and a half. Now nine so, and so half. now it's moved to nine and a half. I would still probably go over that. I think he's a back end of the lottery type selection. He's only six feet tall. He's 22 years old. And it wasn't until just this last junior season that he showcased an offensive game that made his profile raise or or his stock improve among NBA draft scouts. So is that an outlier or is that something that is, you know, translatable? But especially being 22 and only being six foot tall, I know he's a competitor. I know people like him, but that's just still a little too high for a guy who is not certainly a Damian Lillard or an Allen Iverson type score. Those are the type of six foot tall players who get drafted very high in the lottery. I don't think Mitchell is that. Someone who I think um, could take his spot, so to speak, or or be taken a little bit uh, lower than projected is James Booknight, who, again, last I checked, was nine and a half for his prop. I would go under that because Booknight is one of those classic under 20, 19-year-old, six foot four, six foot five, uh, two-guard smooth scores, perimeter, free throw line, getting to the rim and finishing around the rim, mid-range game. He's a guy who can come in and immediately give you probably in the NBA, you know, 12 to 15 points per game as a rookie, depending on how many minutes he gets, and then continue to develop that offensive package. So uh, Zaire Williams is another guy out of Stanford, the wing. Again, just one year at Stanford, 19 years old, six foot eight, very skinny, only 188 pounds, but has the 
the, the frame to add, you know, 20, 30, 40 pounds of muscle as he develops into a man. And for a guy who shot 80% at the free throw line as a freshman with Stanford, that's the kind of shot that portends to, as long as he gets work in the NBA, he'll develop into a good spot up three point shooter because he spots up at the free throw line and makes those kinds of shots. So a two-way talent that can score, defend Paul George, Jalen Brown type potential was invited to the NBA green room which NBA teams give out those invitations because they know when guys are going to be selected. I think his uh, prop was 16 and a half or 17 and a half. I would go under that. I think it's going to be a lottery pick. So just a few names that stood out to me when I was uh, researching this earlier last week. Yeah. The interesting part about this draft and every draft sort of has a, at least the betting component has a different kind of vibe, but top six are kind of set, not necessarily the specific order. Although I do like Mobley at minus 160 to go third overall. I think that's the safest play. Because Green and Cunningham, 1-2, two, 2-1 two, kind of order. Although mm-hmm. Cunningham is an overwhelming favorite to go one. I just don't agree with those odds. But anyways, um, after, after six, it kind of starts at seven, right? So book night, to your point, is right mm-hmm. there. That's why Mitchell, at like it was eight and a half. I mean, it's like, he, well, we know he's not going to go top six. So seven right. or eight is tough when he could go as late as like 15, 16, 17. So I'm with you there. Keon Johnson over under is moving up, and it should. He can't shoot. Um, so it was eight and a half. It's now 10 and a half. I still like it. I just don't think he's a top 10 player, uh, in, in terms of the draft. Now, look, there's always going to be one wild card and, you know, Wagner is supposed to go to the Kings at nine. And I, there's all these like assumptions being made, but I do think it's a, it's a top six and then a big drop off. So there's some value out there. I, I took Springer over. He was in the 20 and a half ish. Um, Jalen, uh, Jalen, uh, the guy out of Duke, I'm blanking on his name, but Johnson is it? Yeah, Jalen Johnson's like 13 yeah. and a half or something. I took right. the over. I mean, he's super talented, but I just don't don't like that. So that's going to do it for me, though. And uh, I think we're out of time as well. So good, good little uh, sprinkle on everything, right? You got you got some Olympics, you got some baseball, you got some NBA draft coming up this week. We're going to have a lot of content throughout the week, so make sure you check in with us uh, six Eastern, ESPN two all week, and we'll of course have the Daily Wager podcast as well throughout the week. Mm-hmm.